<laughs> Why did he stop Mace Windu, man? <laughs> it just gets me every time I think about it. I'm like, just don't slash Mace Windu. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, just stop yourself. Like, he's not going to heal Padme. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, well, he didn't know. He was deceived by the lie. Gosh. Yep. It just agonizes me every time I watch that scene. Yeah. Maybe this time he won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Alternate ending to uh, Star Wars Episode 3. Gosh, somebody create that for us. Anakin turns around and goes home. <laughs> Anakin does the obvious right thing. Man. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> so exasperating. This is Dylan. This is Nick. And you're listening to... All right, here we go for another episode of Colloquium. How you doing, Nick? Doing well, doing well. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, enjoying this weather, this beautiful spring weather. We're having. Oh my gosh, yeah, I was just out at the soccer field this afternoon watching, watching a game. Um, what better thing would you want to do on a Saturday afternoon? I'm not maybe, sure. Maybe watch baseball. Yeah, maybe so. It's maybe. debatable. But yeah, it's a personal preference. Right? Yeah, but I'm excited to be doing this today and look out the window as we as we talk about a wonderful topic. A very it wonderful is, topic. It is wonderful. Uh, a little bit sensitive, but wonderful. Yes. Uh, oh, man. So this is a topic. The topic we have for you today is one that, you know, I always like feel like I'm like withholding the topic. But then I realized, and I'm going to like build up to it dramatically. And then I realized like they know the topic. They clicked on the <laughs> episode. Right. It has a title. <laughs> so unless we did like a misleading title, like they're pretty much going to know at this point that we're talking about modesty. Oh, I thought we were talking about Star Wars. We were earlier. Oh, right? okay. But that was not the topic for the Got podcast. Got you. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. All right. Modesty. Yeah. Um, Star Wars uh, has modesty. Well, let's not go there. Okay. I- <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make a connection um no but modesty yeah i um, this is one of those topics that i get really excited for i think some of my favorite episodes that we do um and tend to be some of our more popular ones from the feedback that i've gotten tend to be these topics that are kind of borderline controversial areas of morality that have but but ones that have like really serious implications for our life and how we live and how seriously we take certain things so I really like topics like this, topics that, because uh, I think it's one of those topics that people don't always talk about because it can be uncomfortable or controversial or just difficult to put in, a, in an understandable framework. And uh, that's why I love talking about it. I love starting conversations about these kinds of things. Yeah. It's kind of, as a rule of thumb, you tend to know what a good, important topic to talk about is when you get like a flurry of emotion surrounding the topic. Mm-hmm. This is one of those mm-hmm. topics where once it gets going, uh, the idea gets around in the conversation. It's like, whoa, chill. I was just trying to have a conversation. Yeah. You know? So it seems to be yeah. on the minds of people. Yeah. And the other thing I think we definitely want to establish at the beginning is we know this is a sensitive issue and we want to talk about it anyway um but we know that it's a difficult thing to talk about and we also recognize that we are two men in our 20s talking about this topic um and therefore we know everything there is to know right (laughs) (laughs) go ahead no but in all seriousness no we recognize that we're you know we're a male perspective we're two male perspectives and uh there is a missing female voice but that being said i think also that's we're not trying to provide a female perspective on this we're not trying to tell you what women think right we're, we're going to approach this issue from our male perspective because that's what we have and i hope that that can be helpful for you know other men listening to this and also for the women listening to this to, to maybe come to see this from um, our point of view and we certainly don't speak for all ma- all males but i think i'm pretty masculine so i think i can speak for men uh, yeah an argument for another time Okay, great. <laughs> um, if you're interested in that topic, you can tune in to Masculinity, A Crisis of Masculinity, episode number, I don't know. No idea what it was. It was kind of early on. Yeah, we should number our episodes. We should. That'd be a good idea. Maybe we'll do that one day. Once we hire an intern. That's right. We'll get him to number them. Or her. I'm assuming our intern would be a man. Could I, be a woman. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) all right well let's just jump into modesty why don't we let's do it 
Unless there's any other disclaimers you have. No, I think I'm good. Let's do it. All right, let's rock and roll. So, Nick, what is modesty? Um, yeah, so maybe let's read from the catechism. I was telling uh, you earlier that it seems like the catechism has a comment on just about anything. Uh, it's incredible how we can pick a topic and yeah. there's a catechism paragraph or two or three for it. Yeah. This is no exception. Here's, Does it have a comment on uh, whether you should eat avocado on toast? Uh, it probably does. Let's be honest. I mean, seriously. At least indirectly. Yeah, gosh. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, this is a couple paragraphs from the Catechism on Modesty. This is uh, 2521 and 2522 for those who are um, following, following, along, at following along at home. Wow. And, and this contains the definition, but then it also elaborates It does. It so, does. Yeah. So it's not super long, but I think it's important that we, we right. kind of frame it around this this definition here yeah sure so maybe i'll just read both paragraphs and then we'll we'll go from there sure here it is purity requires modesty an integral part of temperance modesty protects the intimate center of the person it means refusing to unveil what should remain hidden it is ordered to chastity to whose sensitivity it bears witness it guides how one looks at others and behaves toward them in conformity with the dignity of persons and their solidarity that was a mouthful that's paragraph one Second paragraph. Modesty protects the mystery of persons and their love. It encourages patience and moderation in loving relationships. It requires that the conditions for the definitive giving and commitment of man and woman to one another be fulfilled. Modesty is decency. It inspires one's choice of clothing. It keeps silence or reserve where there is evident risk of unhealthy curiosity. It is discreet. Okay. I have... uh Two initial comments or two okay. initial thoughts to go to go with, to start with. So the first thing is that I think it seems clear to me from this reflection in the catechism that mos- modesty is a kind of sub-virtue of chastity. Would you say that's fair? I would say so. Yeah. So I think we're dealing with the virtue of chastity, but particularly um, in a particular way. And modesty particularly is concerned with how you dress. Um Let's see, where was the where was the strictest definition we had there? So uh, that's debatable. I, I would say uh, that it's refusing to unveil yeah, what I should agree. remain hidden, that first, that yeah. second sentence or so. Yeah, it's sentence. refusing to unveil what should remain hidden. So modesty, the virtue of modesty shapes what we decide to reveal and to hide about ourselves. And so that's going to contain both a physical and I think an emotional element Agreed. of how you how you present yourself body and soul to the world and i think primarily usually you know we talk about the the physical and this will come down to clothing right how you how you but i think also would contain how you even carry yourself right how you dis, you know displaying yourself particularly in a physical way um is so much more than just how you dress um it's how you carry yourself as well how you walk around um all of these things are a part of modesty i think so that's my first thought. My second thought is that this is one of those parts in the catechism. And if you spend time with the catechism, um, I'm sure some of our listeners have noticed that. I'm sure you've noticed this as well. And that when you really spend time with the catechism, sometimes there's topics where rather than give a strict definition, it gives like multiple definitions or it just kind of like says something and then just elaborates in a kind of beautiful poetic way sometimes. And there's part of me that reacts, no, just define this for me, dang it. Like, I just want one one sentence definition. Let me know what modesty is, right? But there's another part of me that really appreciates um, the nuance and the the really poetry to it, to how they talk about some of these virtues, um, some of these concepts of the faith in the catechism that I think really helps you reflect on it a little bit more deeper than a strict question and answer format, which is what the the old catechism, you know, the Baltimore catechism, which was really popular before this current catechism we have from the 1990s. Um, the Baltimore catechism was very question and answer, very short and to the point. It didn't have these longer kind of theological reflections that we find in the new catechism. But I really, I really appreciate, I think, especially in circumstances like this, the the way the new catechism reflects on it. I agree. I agree. That's really good. I also think too that doing, I think like we're trying to do now, you know, doing the work of uh, bringing the matter of modesty down to its core 
definition if possible as much as possible i think is a good exercise so mm-hmm. um yeah my favorite phrase from there is refusing to unveil what should remain hidden i think that's beautiful uh, yeah yeah modesty in my mind would be the uh acting as though you're refusing to unveil what should remain hidden um while yeah. revealing what can be or should be open to those yeah. you are interacting with yeah yeah exactly and i mean i think that obviously begs the question okay well what should remain hidden then great question uh i I don't pretend to know the answer completely um i will say as a starting point that uh obviously uh, the the naked body should remain hidden uh to in most relationships in all relationships outside of around naked (laughs) that's right yeah um so the naked body is something that should remain hidden outside of certain relationships the mm-hmm. married relationship being one and uh father yeah. and or and mother yeah. and child in certain instances, yeah. right yeah. yeah so yeah i think that that begs further question but i think we'll get there um i think we do want to so. get into some more particulars of okay what does that actually that mean what what are these you know what circumstances might change what you reveal and don't reveal i also think why too why should the naked body remain hidden is another question yeah. we need to have answered exactly and and that's something i think i want to i want to start with is the why and start with the foundation of what's the goal here and then maybe get into some of the particulars later so i think that another i think there's kind of two interesting points i want to touch on while we're talking about what exactly is modesty um, and the first is that it's important to recognize and john paul ii gets this really clear in in his theology of the body is that modesty is is what you know a theologian might call a post-lapsarian necessity, which means it's necessary after the fall. But before the fall, modesty was not a thing, right? Um, you know, Scripture Genesis tells us that they were naked and unashamed before the fall. Um, and maybe, maybe I see you grimacing a little bit. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't go so far as to say modesty is not a thing, but it certainly looked very different. That's right. what I would say. Um, there was not a need for clothing, mm-hmm. for one, right? Because they could look at the other um, and not see them as an object for use, um, but as a human being made in the image of God. And so modesty is necessary because when we look at others, we don't always see them in the image of God. We see them as objects to be used at times. And that's why, that's because of the fall that we're in that situation. And that's why um, wearing clothing and pursuing modesty through veiling certain things um, is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I would say you, you captured what I was, what I was grimacing about perfectly, yeah. but <laughs> I would say that before the fall, your mind. that's right. Before their fall, there was nothing that needed to remain hidden. So yeah. therefore modesty became uh, sort of irrelevant because we could reveal everything to yeah. one another. Uh, and yeah. same for the new heaven and new earth that we're, we're moving towards. Thank God uh, we won't, we won't need the virtue right. of modesty. Uh, right. Which which is an interesting thing, right? Because does that then mean that the more virtuous we get, the more the, our standards for modesty change? And that might, the answer might be yes. I think it might be. Yeah, I think yeah. Once, once one becomes holier um, and closer to Jesus, more oriented towards Christ, you are therefore able to see the dignity of the yeah. human person despite what they might be wearing yeah. or not it's like the story we we i know we often mention amongst each other of the two people who are are walking um and they encounter a prostitute right somebody who's just like walking very scantily clad and and uh one person reacts you know they're both faithful christians and one person reacts by turning away and just like shielding his eyes and not even looking and the other person just walks up to her and engages her in conversation is not even tempted to lust, right? And, and just loves her in that moment, doesn't see her as an object to be used. And, you know, I think that kind of captures this, right? Like the more virtuous one was the one who went up and talked to her, but they both did the right thing given the state of their heart, right? So modesty yeah. might require different things for different people at different circumstances. And that's what makes it, I think the subjectivity of it can make it a sensitive issue and can make it a difficult issue. And there's no... There aren't a lot of hard and fast rules, at least. There probably are some, but there aren't a lot of hard and fast, always and everywhere rules when it comes to modesty. Agreed, yeah. We're really going down the rabbit hole here, but I think, too, what 
is interesting about that story is that tends to focus on the two men, but the woman, even mm-hmm. though the man is seeing her as a human being, she still has a responsibility as well to be modest. Yeah. Um, and so there's that question right? also. Yeah. Um, there's a third, there's a third heart there right. to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the last, um, I think framework that I want to carry with us is, is the whole context of this. So the catechism talks about modesty under, can you guess if it's under the sixth or the ninth commandment? One shouldn't commit adultery. That would be the sixth commandment. Sixth commandment. Yes. False. It actually talks about modesty under the ninth commandment, which is thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. You misheard me. I said the ninth. Okay. Yeah. yeah the ninth. Yeah. <laughs> Great. No, but actually my first instinct, when I first looked, I wanted to look up in the catechism on modesty and pull some quotes for us. And I opened first to the sixth commandment. Um, didn't find anything. Flipped to the ninth and there it was several paragraphs on modesty. So um, I was, yeah, I was in the same boat. My initial instinct was, was it'd be under thou shalt not commit adultery. But the ninth commandment considers kind of the heart behind adultery, right? Um, it is covetousness that leads to adultery, right? And, and I think this is captured really well in the words of Christ when he says that he who looks at a woman with lust, lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart, right? So I think the ninth commandment invites us deeper than the sixth commandment and challenges us to look at our heart, right? To look at our heart and see how we're living out chastity, um, internally so that we can, in the external ways, um, express love to, to those we encounter. Yeah. I want to make sure we're on the same page too, because modesty seems to be protecting one's own dignity, the way other people are perceiving my own dignity as a human being. Um, not the other way around. I'm not being immodest when I see someone else as a sexual object. That's lust. Modesty is okay. protecting one's own dignity as a human being. Yeah, that's fair, but it's related, right? True. So, so modesty is necessary because of this reality, right? That you can right. commit adultery in your heart, that you can lust in your heart without acting on it um, in a physical manner. And I think because of that, it's necessary because we know that those we encounter, everyone we pass is a fallen human being with temptations, right? And that's exactly why modesty is necessary to, I think, to help others and it's for ourselves. And that's something I think maybe that gets overlooked with modesty too is modesty is about the person who is choosing how to present themselves and everybody else they encounter. Hmm. You're right. It's about the dignity of both and preserving both. Agree. All right. So do we live in a modest culture? Oh my. Uh, no. No. <laughs> The, All right, moving the, on. <laughs> the, the bullet here is uh, Nick, colon, no. Uh, I I think we have a extraordinarily hard time with modesty in our American culture, mm-hmm. especially, um, and in the culture of social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And we'll yeah, talk absolutely. about the extremes of, you know, modesty being a virtue. We'll talk about the extremes of modesty, the deficiency and the excess. Yeah. Uh, I think we have struggles with both in different areas of modesty in our culture. So Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, you know, I've lived in different places. I've lived in a lot of different environments, even within the you know, United States, right? And I've seen different things. In my experience, I think this, I mean, this is probably a generalization that maybe doesn't hold true. But in my experience, I feel like from the two years I spent in Colorado, I saw a lot more immodesty there than I did have in the South. Um, and some of that may be just the Christian culture of the Southeast, um, and some of the standards that I think just that are ingrained into the culture, um, which is somewhat surprising, right? Because it is a, a warmer place, and you'd think people would would wear less clothing. But that's one observation I have. So I do think you know when we say, do we live in a modest culture? Well, what culture, right? I think it, it varies a little bit. But you bring up the you know the social media, right? You bring up the. Um, the world we live in, the world so many people live in on the internet. Um, and I think of, I think of my, my high school students all the time and how much of their world, how much of their environment is just immersed in, in social media. And I think of the ones who are, are trying to live by chastity and by modesty and how they complain about how they're just bombarded every day. And the algorithms recognize this and they identify them as you know, a prime suspect to see these scantily clad 
human beings, right? Um, and just how much of a struggle it is for them and the culture they live in. Even if they're going to school and everybody's dressed modestly, right? What they're seeing on their phones is is not a modest environment. Right. I think what translates from that there, you know, we're, we're talking kind of about how, how culture tends to spread. But I think what happens there when we see some of the you know, cultural icons dressing certain a certain mm-hmm. way, we think, oh, that must be the way that I need to dress. It's kind of an obvious chain that flows yeah. down from there. So. Yeah, and I think it's important here just to establish too, and if we haven't been clear enough on this yet, I know that John Paul II is clear on this, right? This isn't, you know, because somebody, I could see somebody listening to this, especially somebody, um, you know, more secularly minded and saying, you know, like, why, why are you hating on these people who are just, you know, displaying the body that God gave them, right? And I just want to be clear that the body is good. Right? We believe the body is good. And the problem is that we're fallen. Right? And the problem is, is that we have this tendency because we're fallen, because we're weak, to look at the body and not see the whole person and reduce people to just physical characteristics of their body. And so that's why immodesty or, or, or dressing immodestly is potentially problematic it's not because the body is bad but it's because the body is good and is meant to be a um a sacramental right something that leads us to encountering the whole person and the image of god in the person and thus to encounter god as well and so that's the goal right we want to see the body is good we don't want to reduce a person to the physical characteristics of their body that's the issue that we're dealing with and so i don't know i just i just felt i felt called to just make that a little bit more clear as well no that's really important picture vision that's really important yeah and just just to finish that off the modesty is the virtue that enables beholders of the person to view them as such to view them as people so that that is what that's what the purpose of this virtue is yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think as we, while we're talking about the culture too, we, you know, we do have this question of there's a line in the catechism that you're quite perplexed by, I know, um, and I'm perplexed by as well, but it says that the forms taken by modesty vary from one culture to another. The forms taken by modesty vary from one culture to another. Goodness gracious me. That's a hard one. I, so I, here's what I think about this, that quote, and I, I think it's very very interesting to get into a conversation about but that seems to me like that could be the the phrase that we could all cling to as our excuse to now not be modest like oh our culture allows us to not yeah hang, allows women to hang out on the beach in essentially underwear yeah uh so therefore yeah. it's okay yeah so i think yeah this is certainly a slippery slope but i think right. it's true i think it's true and in what sense? What does it mean? Well, I think of what I think of is John Paul II, love and responsibility. Um, he addresses this particular question. Um, I don't know actually what the, if the catechism is quoting this in this circumstance or not, but we see it in the catechism. We see it in, in John Paul II's writing. I've heard Christopher West, um, who's a, a very prominent teacher of John Paul's Theology of the Body, talk about this in particular. And I've heard him talk about the difference between like some like native american cultures where you know people wore very little clothing and that was a part of the culture and he would talk about this in a way of saying that um for us to come in you know you think of like the colonization of of the americas and for the you know european white Christian culture to come in and then assume automatically that they're all objectifying each other and to impose all these like, you know, different fashion standards from Europe, right, onto them is maybe not the right way of looking at it. Because the reality is this is this the subjectivity of it and it feels really controversial to say, but the forms of taken by modesty do vary from culture to culture. And it is conceivable that there is a culture where there is less clothing being worn or maybe even very little clothing being worn, and yet people are not being seen as objects Hmm. because of that. And I think it's hard for us to conceive because we live in a culture where that's not our problem, right? Like 
I mean, it is our problem, but that's not the extreme we tend towards, right? Um, we seem to be a culture that's very hypersexualized and a culture that really struggles with Agree. Um, objectification of, of other human beings and reducing them to their, their sexual values. So I think it's a hard thing for us to understand, but I, I think this is absolutely true. I agree. And I think that's what makes modesty such a difficult thing to talk about because there are circumstances where, you know, wearing less clothing doesn't inherently mean that you're immodest. Yeah, that's a great point. I agree. Thank God for the catechism and John Paul II. Uh, that's really beautifully said. But we don't live in that culture. We certainly do not. And so because <laughs> we do not live in that culture, we need to have, I think, a different conversation about it. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Gosh, it's so interesting. I love it is, this. Yeah. I love this. That was okay. very well articulated. I think it's important. Uh, modesty does not necessarily imply covering more X yeah. body part and yeah. Y body. Um, yeah, yeah. There's not a there's not a formula. Um, so that being said, okay, we we do talk about two extremes. I think where it's clear which extreme we're on, but let's identify these, right? So with virtue, again, we we like to talk about virtue as a, a mean between two extremes, um, like our friend. Mr. Aristotle. And uh, with these two extremes, or with this virtue of modesty, what are what are our extremes on either end of modesty? Yeah, so the words you had written down, which I really liked, are um, on the deficiency side, it's prudishness, which I'm sure we've, we, we've tossed the phrase around, especially when we were mm-hmm. in middle school or whatever, of, oh, that guy, that girl, she's, pr- he's prude or whatever. You probably yeah. got called a prude a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's right, you? yeah. Uh, <laughs> so prudishness is... I guess not re- revealing enough of oneself, being too guarded, being too scrupulous, if you will, about revealing uh, a part of yourself. Uh, so yeah. do we want to talk about how we see this in the culture yet, or you want to oh, go to the next one first? Yeah, sure. Well, I think of a story. Um, it's a kind of funny story from when I was in high school. I was set up on a date once. Nice. And... Um, I was set up by the mother of this girl with her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you love my daughter. That's how that um, went. <laughs> but yeah, the details of the story don't matter, except that in describing her daughter to me, she, oh, no. she was describing who she was, and she said specifically, oh, don't worry, she's not a prude. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, you know, me and my, my you know, 17-year-old Christian heart at that point was like, I'm not sure that's a good thing. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. Oh my. But yeah, I think in that in that we have this kind of I think from the predominant secular culture, right? A prude then is someone who um is afraid to have fun, um, is overly scrupulous, probably in the way they dress and the way that they act. Um because excess of you know, things like alcohol and, 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 and sex in the wrong context can be sinful. They avoid it altogether, right? Um, or avoid, you know, even, you know, a lot of forms of dating altogether because they, they want to avoid the near occasion of sin. I, th- I think that's kind of this, this idea of prude and prudishness. And I think that, I think that we, we do see this. Like, I think, I think that is a real thing. Um, I think it is a way that people react to the immodesty of the culture, um, you know, maybe just, a, yeah. And I don't know. Um, does this happen the way people dress? I think so. It's hard to really say that there are a lot of people who just are wearing too much clothing, you know, in our the yeah. society we live in. I think but I think is, it's more so an attitude that yeah. I see than, uh, you know, physically like, oh, that person just wears too much clothes. Like I would, I don't think I'd ever really say that about anyone I know. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think we have zero issue with this with this deficiency of modesty in terms of clothing. In terms I, of yeah, and strictly in terms of clothing. I think it is a, an issue in terms of attitude. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I would say. Remember modesty being the um uh not revealing what should remain hidden. Uh I think we have a really hard time with this, especially as men in our culture uh, emotionally. You know, just the mm-hmm. emotional prudishness of I don't think I can share with you what's really going on. I'm mm-hmm. going to put on this fake front on social media. Yeah. It's very prevalent. I think we have a huge issue with prudishness emotionally. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
it's funny seeing the other, you know, we'll talk about the other extreme in a second, but seeing the emotional deficiency of modesty and the physical yeah. excess of modesty. Very interesting. Yeah, there's Very a real contrast there, isn't there? Yeah. It's interesting. So indecency then is the other extreme. It is. Right. Indecency, revealing too much, uh, which I have the question here written down. How do we see this one in the culture? I think we can go from there. You want to answer that? Uh, I can quote the catechism. Oh, sure. You can do that if you want. <clears throat> yeah, so I think the catechism does answer this question um, to an extent. So it says, um, this is in the same section, 25-23, there is a modesty of feelings as well as of the body. It protests, for example, against the voyeuristic exploration of the human body in certain advertisements or against the solicitations of certain media that go too far in the exhibition of intimate things. Modesty inspires a way of life which makes it possible to resist the allurements of fashion and pressures of prevailing ideologies. So in this paragraph, the Catechism recognizes that there is, in advertisements and in media, um, it says it goes too far in the exhibition of intimate things. And I think you don't have to live on this planet in the Western world and the United States of America long um, to know that this is true. Agreed. Yeah, advertisements, social media, movies, books, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, always, not always, but <clears throat> frequently seems to reveal indecency. I heard a story recently. I cannot remember where. Um, but it was somebody who had lived abroad. I think it was somewhere in, in the Eastern Hemisphere. Um, is that a thing? Eastern Hemisphere? The yes, Eastern, east of here, right? In the <laughs> Eastern world. Um, and they were talking about like they lived there for a time and then they came back and they just forgot how bombarded hmm. American culture is constantly with sexualization and in, in the media and in advertisements. Um, and they remember they were talking about just how striking that was when they moved back. Um, and again, I don't have, you know, the experience of living in a different culture to compare that, but I thought that was really interesting. That, that analogy they made. Agree. Yeah, I think the messages that are sent when we see, you know, uh, women on advertisements that don't have very much clothing on, or men too, um, on these advertisements, you know, we are almost inherently seeing them as objects when mm -hmm. we see them on these advertisements. Mm -hmm. um, they're not being seen as human beings. So, obviously, our modesty is going to veer towards indecency yeah. there. Yeah, I um. I was, I was reading a little bit, I was reading some articles preparing for this, and I read one that um, is just a Catholic perspective on chastity and, and modesty, and they were talking about how, um, you know, when this, I think it was a woman who had written this article, and she was saying, she was like just observing people at the swimming pool, and um, she was just kind of paying attention to girls and what they were wearing, and the men and how they looked at them, and she said, of all the things, all the thoughts that crossed her mind, it was never like, how is this person feeling or like what's going on in their, their heart right now? It was always superficial. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's part of it. I think that's something when we look inside, right. When we think, Oh yeah, like the body's obviously good. Right. And um, when we're tempted to, to not see a problem with this hypersexualization in, in advertisements and in, in, you know, just what we see every day. Um, I think that, that's an important thing to check is like, what, where is my heart being led? Um, is it being led to encounter the whole person? Um, or is it reducing them to, to something else? I also think of, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say with indecency there, you bring up a really good point again, but again, that, that seems to be centered on whoever's viewing, you know, mm -hmm. and I guess I wonder, we don't have to go into this now, but I guess I wonder how does the person who's, you know, possibly going to fall into indecency decide how to behave or how to dress if they don't really know whether or not the person that's viewing them is struggling with beholding right. them as a human being right well and that gets to the i think one of the most common things that comes up in these conversations is oh well why am i responsible for yeah somebody else right for how they if if they're struggling with the sin like right why is how i dress like if it's not objectively bad why is um, I responsible then for their their shortcomings, right? And I think that's a legitimate question to ask, 
right? I, I think that the answer is yes, we should be responsible for, we should not dress in a way that becomes a temptation to others. But I think it is a legitimate question to ask. I think it, you know, we are not 100% responsible, right? It, at the end of the day, it's not, you're not, they're the one sinning, right? If, if you become an occasion or it's, it's their temptation, it's not your temptation. But um, so, yeah, I think that's a fair question to ask that often gets brought up. Yeah. I think the question also has to be asked with that though. Like, okay, why, why, I don't want to make, make the second person here, but why would that person be dressing the way that they're dressing if it's perceived as being indecent? I mean, like, I, I think that question needs to be answered also. Right. The question has to be answered on both parties. Yeah. You know, uh, and I feel like a lot of times, here's my perception. Mm-hmm. Again, we probably need a, a woman's perspective to have the full, you know, just another mm-hmm. another caveat there. We need a woman's perspective to have the full issue, yeah. you know, kind of encompassed. But I think a lot of times that answer is like very superficial. Yeah. Like, I just want to. Uh, that's what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. You know, I thought about this a lot in, in, in preparing for this conversation. I reflected on kind of that question, right, of of that person who says something like that. And I just thought of my perspective and what I would say to, to a person in that situation. And, and one of the things I thought is that, and I think this is something, you can tell me if you agree with this, but I think I can speak for men in saying that we don't really need a woman to dress scantily clad to recognize her beauty. No. We don't. Right? Yeah, I, and that's often, I think, the answer is like, oh, well, like, you know, I want to get noticed by guys, right? Or, you know, I want to be seen as attractive. It's like, we really don't need you to, to wear less clothing to do that. Like, we're pretty good at being attracted to you. Yeah. It's not a hard thing. Yeah, honestly. Especially, it's, yeah, a woman that you find beautiful, you will find beautiful regardless of how they're dressed i think yeah i mean yeah not that how you dress doesn't matter at all but you don't have to wear less clothing in order for that to happen yeah a couple things i i would say that as human beings not just women and or not just women but as human beings men and women like we do we want to be seen we want to be we want to be known you know, we mm-hmm. don't want to be seen as objects. Like that's mm-hmm. not the desire of our heart. And I think if we asked anyone, they would, they would want someone to be able to see them and to understand them completely, just for yeah. who they are and what their struggles are and what their mm-hmm. heart's saying and what they just want to be known. Yeah. And revealing too much of the body prevents that from happening. Yeah. Want someone cannot see you as for who you are in your fullness when you are revealing yeah. too much of your body to them. That's right. that's not what you want. You don't want to be seen as an object. You want to be seen as a human being. Right, but it's such um, a temptation. It you is. You know, because I think, I think, and I'm sure that women face this more than, than we mm. do in general, but I think I've even experienced this as a man, right? That superficial attraction feels good. Yeah. Like when, when you know somebody's attracted to you, mm-hmm. right, even if it's just on a sheer physical level, it feels good. Amen. Yeah. I think too, that's such a good point, Dylan. And I think like if I perceive that people aren't seeing me and that's the way that I'm going to get people to look at me, that's the way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to take my clothes off and I'm going to mm-hmm. hope they see me that way. If there's, if they're seeing me as an object, fine. At like, least they're, seeing at me. least they're seeing something, Oh, that's you good. know, seriously. Like I, and that is such like, seriously, from the deepest part of my heart, especially to women. Like that is a lie from Satan that you, that you need to be seen as an object uh, uh, because Jesus sees you completely. Um, Mm. I'm sure others are seeing you other than Jesus, but if not, Jesus sees you, Uh, you know, and that is such an important message that I think we need to, we need to send here. That's Uh, such a good word. I'm so glad you said that. And I, I think it's, it's as with all of theology of the body, I think the, the answer is that there's, there's just more. Hmm. There's more than the superficial. There's more there. And, and, and yes, it is a temptation. Um, the temptations are so strong in the areas of chastity. But the church teaches what it does. We're talking about what we do because there is more. Mm-hmm. right? And you can be seen in a deeper, more full way. Yeah. Yeah. It just keeps to the, the way the way the enemy works and our culture is very much tied to the enemy in a lot of ways. This is one of them. 
But the way that our, our enemy works is, you know, he, he shows us the apple and says, if you just take one bite, um, that'll satisfy you. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait, you got to take another bite now. I, I wasn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. honest with you there. Oh, another bite. He just, he just kind of brings us in farther and farther mm-hmm. and sends us the lie that what he's providing is going to satisfy. And it's mm-hmm. just not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just false. Uh, modesty is the route to true fulfillment. Uh, That's good. Anyway, That's good yeah. stuff. It's good stuff. So let's talk about if modesty is equally a problem for mm. men and for women. So question. Think? Uh, I would say no. Uh, this is probably going to yeah. be a uh, maybe a contentious answer, maybe not. But it's getting it canceled, guys. That's right. <laughs> I would say no. Uh, and I, w- I would say it's more of an issue with women. And mm-hmm. the the reason I would say that is because women are particularly beautiful yes. beyond men. Um, that's why I would say it is. Uh, the enemy wants to tempt women more because they are beautiful in a particular way that men are not. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, what form does this take? Uh, obviously, it's the clothing. I think yeah. it, it takes that form for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's this concept in religion, generally speaking, that you veil what is sacred. You mm-hmm. know, there's a veil in the tabernacle. There's right. a veil in the temple, Right. You veil what is sacred because it is sacred. Um, and so veiling, right? It's why a bride wears a veil at a wedding. Um, it's why some women wear a veil to the Holy Mass, hmm. right? Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not out of shame, actually. It's, it's out of recognizing their dignity and their holiness. Um, yeah, so it's just something, you know, when you say that, like women are beautiful in a very particular way that, that men aren't. Um, you know, the crown jewel of creation sometimes said, like, that's true, that's true. And if, if you were to press me on this and ask why, I can't articulate it perfectly, but I think it's an intuition that I think if we really check our hearts, I think we know is true. There's a beauty that's expressed in, in the female body. Um, it's just different. It's right. just different. Um, and I don't think that's just because I'm a man who's attracted to women. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you. But maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think men do have this issue too. And I, I, I don't think they're totally you know, free from having to perform modesty as human beings. Yeah. You know, we men, we want to be, you know, seen as human beings as well and yeah. not section, not objects for use. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think another thing worth noting too, is just that like, it, I think it's in the nature of men is it, as much as it is in the nature of women in that, um, you know, we're more visual and we're more kind of physical in our sexual attraction. Um, and I think that's empirical. Um, I don't think that's just a, a shot in the dark observation. Um, you look at, I mean, you know, not to go too deep on this, but like the kinds of pornography that men versus women are interested in, um, it's different. You see a more, you see, um, in generally speaking, right. It's, it's generally speaking, um, typically it's more about the body for men and it's more about the emotional connection for yeah. women. Um, and that's just reality. I think it's just the reality of, of the ways that we're different. Um, and so I think because of some of those things, yes, modesty, at least in terms of, of how you present yourself and how you dress tends to be a bigger problem for women. Now, that being said, there can still be a double standard. That can be true and there can still, and I still do think that there are double standards in society for how the, how we think women should dress versus how we think men should dress. And that's something I know we've talked about before is I don't think yeah. that men are held to a high enough standard when it comes to modesty. Hmm. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I would be willing to, I would be willing to entertain that. I have actually, I've thought about it a little bit, but not very much. So, um, that'd be interesting to talk about. I mean, this kind of gets us into the next question too, of like, how can we be more modest in the ways that we dress? Um, and that brings up, you know, you have a question here, um, (laughs) with regard to, you know, like, like, okay. Cause a place that this often becomes problematic, right. becomes a, a situation or a question is right. You go to the beach, you go to the pool, right. What do you wear? Right. Um, and essentially the question as you phrased it, and this is going to relate to both like, yeah, how can we be more modest, but also this double standard that we're talking about, the difference between men and women, if they're, you know, what that looks like, right? Um, 
but you, you, you put this question there of should men keep their shirts on at the beach? Yeah. And again, I think that's a good question. I don't know the answer to it, but I think it's a question worth asking. Yeah. We risk losing our audience here with some of these questions <laughs> because it's just so countercultural. You yeah. know, it's like, what? You guys are being ridiculous. But yeah. the reason why this came up, actually, and this is funny, mm -hmm. I, I didn't say this to you before we started, but okay. uh, at Summer Projects in 2018, our focus mm -hmm. trip, um, we had the opportunity to go and, you know, to this kind of rafting trip in Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. as a group. Mm -hmm. And the men collectively decided beforehand that we were not going to take our shirts off during this. Hmm. Um, and we didn't. We all kept our shirts on the entire time. And we got, like, letters and comments from the women about how edified they were by oh. that. Wow. Um, it was a really cool experience. Yeah, one of the yeah. memorable parts of our—one uh, of, uh, of the many memorable parts of our summer together. Yeah. Um, Did they know it was intentional? Yeah, they, they did. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I think our, our friend Brennan was actually the instigator of that. So uh, if he listens, he's Good probably Brennan. feeling pretty inflated right now. Brennan, it more than entertaining. <laughs> okay, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, so that's the reason why I asked this question. And um, I think generally people are going to immediately say no to this. Mm -hmm. But I would actually say yes. Yeah. Um, I don't see a reason why we would... Yeah. why it's an inherently good thing to take our shirts off like why right. is that inherently yeah. good uh yeah. versus keeping them on um i would say like <clears throat> probably women have an issue of viewing women uh, men as uh, objects for use uh especially when they have yeah. their shirts off yeah it makes me think of a, another story from high school of um I, I was sitting in freshman in class freshman year and this was back when twilight was big and so there's this girl sitting next to me and just, just totally gawking over this picture of Taylor Lautner without a shirt from yeah. the Twilight movie. And uh, <laughs> Gawking, that's a good word. Yeah, gawking, totally gawking. <laughs> <laughs> and like, she, you know, she was like, like talking to the girl in front of her and they were kind of chuckling. And, and I just look at them like, I, I straight up, I just turned to her and I said, so why is it okay for you to look at that? But if a guy next to you were looking at a girl in a bikini, you would think he was a pig. Yeah. In, in her response, I'll never forget. She said, oh, well, well, that's different. And I just sat there. I was like, but why? <laughs> why? It's not. It's just not. Why is it different? Like, like, maybe it is. I don't know. But why? If it is, why is it different? It's just not. That's my opinion. I, I would do like <laughs> <laughs> it's not different this is like a 14 year old me you know like just like yeah. approaching the world from the eyes of a, a child you know right just didn't make sense to me i don't know that it does now that's a powerful example that's a really powerful example yeah i think when when this question is brought up i'm gonna try and be on like an honest um anticipator of the answer to this but a lot of times i think the answer is just it's because it's not that big a deal mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is yeah. not an answer yeah. to the question. It's not yeah. an answer. Uh, yeah. Like that's avoiding the question. So I yeah. would ask if you're, if, if the question of should men keep their shirts on at the beach, if your answer is no, I would be very curious as to why. Yeah. I mean, well, so I'll play devil's advocate a little bit because okay. again, I'm undecided on this issue. Um, but what kind of goes on in my head is actually, I hear that sometimes, right? It's not that big of a deal. Right. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when I think about it, or if I'm ever, if I'm ever considering it, um, the second thing I'd say, if there were a reason why it's okay, and this isn't a double standard, um, I would say it has to do with the difference in, in men and women, um, and the difference, particularly in the way that we approach sexuality, right. In those things we establish the difference in the temptations of men versus the temptations of women, generally speaking. Um, and that the sheer physical temptations tend to be stronger for men. Agree. Um, so if, if the answer is that, you know, that yes, it's okay for men to take their shirts off at the beach, right? Then I think it's rooted in that. And that's why I think I'm undecided on it. Mm -hmm. I, I still think, I still think that even if guys are generally more inclined to view women as a sexual object, it's still there from women to right, men, right, even if yeah. it is less. And hence the, the girl next to me. 
right. rocking over Taylor Lautner, right? Right. So yeah. l- less of a big deal, maybe. Uh, like, answer yeah. is the answer still the same? I think so. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's where, again, the subjectivity of this question, I think, makes it complicated. Is, is right. right. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. It is a hard one. But that being said, I totally can get behind the fact that, like, I think as men, we need to think more about this question. Um, and, you know, I know we've talked about, you know, like you're just going for a run in your neighborhood, right? Like, you can wear a shirt. Yeah. Seriously, it's why not, do you not Again, have... if it's not a big deal, wear a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, um, and, you know, again, this is this is not something I think either of us are perfect at, and we're all wounded. And, again, I was talking to you before sure. the show, like, there, I think it's a tough issue because we all have wounds surrounding issues of chastity yeah. and sexuality and modesty as well. Um, Such a sensitive issue. And so, yeah, it's not, I mean, we're, we're not perfect. We're not going to be perfect at this, but... Um, one of the things we like to do is look at these questions objectively and to help us Amen. become better and hopefully to help you become better as well. Should we address women on the beach or no? <sighs> we can skip it. I mean, I mean, I'll just say, I mean, I think it's important, right? Um, I don't necessarily want to get into the particulars of defining what bathing suits women should wear. Right. Like, no way. I'm just uh, not going there. But yeah, no. Should I, do I think that a woman should definitely consider, you know, modesty? and how they present themselves at the beach at the pool absolutely yeah 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 i think and i think those things are intuitive to them as they are to us as well agree that it on that one yeah okay we'll we'll let let it pass all right um can we act immodestly i think we kind of touched on this can we act immodestly like emotionally or outside of the way that we dress Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this idea, we've brought this up a couple of times already, yeah. but the idea of emotional modesty, you know, just mm-hmm. not revealing too much of your heart to someone. Mm-hmm. Makes you think of emotional chastity. That's is right. Is a word that often gets, or a phrase that often gets thrown around in Catholic actually, circles. Yeah, I actually think it's interchangeable in this instance. Okay. Right. Just not revealing too much of your emotional self to someone. Right. Um, which, it's hard to define. This is, I think, an even more ambiguous one than the physical uh just how do you know what's too much to share and what's yeah. not too much to oh, share? Yeah, yeah. It's um, prudence is right. a virtue you can work on your whole life. And I would actually say I think this goes back to um, like uh, a question that we asked before, but I would actually say that men can be better at this uh, at being yeah. emotionally mm-hmm. modest to women, um, mm-hmm. like for the purpose of women. Well, uh, and if anything, we might err in the other extreme of not sharing enough, right? Often, okay. Yeah. You know, not being open enough. Um, in our relationships, right. not being vulnerable, Maybe. something we've yeah. talked about before. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think of the word modesty, you say is interchangeable with chastity in this case. I think that's true. Um, I think that as well, you know, I think of, you know, often modesty is used in different contexts. Like, oh, he's he's modest, right? Kind of as a synonym with humble, right? But it's about the way you carry yourself as a whole, not just in the way you dress. So I think, yeah, emotional modesty absolutely is a thing. Yeah. That's good. I think that's all I want to say on that, to be honest. Okay, our last question is a fun one and a difficult one. (laughs) All right. Um, So how can we encourage modesty in the opposite gender? Obviously a sensitive issue, but like, yeah. (laughs) I mean, how? Can we? Is there anything we can do as men to encourage modesty in women? And is there anything that women can do to encourage modesty in men? Or is that just, is there just a line there and we can't cross yeah, it? It's hard. And you just need to talk about it in your women's groups yeah. and we'll talk about it in our men's <laughs> groups and just do our thing. Well, if there's a line, we've crossed it already in this episode. So. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah, I think the sentence that everyone should use is, hey, listen, you got to put more clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. You are a temptation. To <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, uh. Gosh, I don't even. I I put in the in the the document that we prepared. I simply do not know at the moment. That's what I put. And then I, you said ha. That's right. Yeah. Uh, this is a very hard one, and I want to be able to go up to a woman and say, "Hey, like, listen." I, and I maybe I'll give. I, I in my mind, I would give them the spiel of, like, I want to value you as a human being. Yeah. And, but you know, it's just that takes a lot. I'm not there in terms of my courage. Yeah. You're beautiful, but... Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Which well, is not a good way. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to no. know how to how to cross yeah. that line if we even should. Yeah, I think this is a really awesome question. I've had conversations with women about this before. Um, but, I mean, I think the circumstances in which you can, this can be a productive conversation, I think are rare. Agreed. Um, because there has to be the trust there, right? It's one of those vulnerable, because we're all wounded in this area, I think, to an extent. There has to be a relationship of trust. Um, so I think, you know, I'm sure in a healthy marriage, husbands and wives can can have that conversation. Um, I'm sure there's other healthy relationships that aren't marriage where it can happen as well. Um, but I think those circumstances are rare. Um, in my experience, it can be a very sensitive thing, right? Because often, I think especially for women, but for human beings in general, right? When we present ourselves in immodest ways, it's not always consciously because we don't respect our body enough, right? I think sometimes it's actually out of at least an intention, a, you know, again, the desire to be seen and loved as, as we talked about before. And so to, to tell somebody that they need to dress differently is inherently a very sensitive thing. I mean, when somebody says they don't like my shirt, I get offended, right? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, let alone like, you're, you know, you're dressing immodestly. Right. And so it is because it's such a w- about the way we present ourselves and, and the way. And I think that it can be such a sensitive issue. And to say to somebody, you are dressed immodestly in whatever language, whatever delicate and charitable way you might say that. I think it's hard to receive well. Um, and in my experience, it seems to be something that it can very easily be taken as I don't like the way you're presenting yourself or I don't, you know, the way that even if it's not being said, right, it can be taken a lot of times as the way you're presenting yourself is not beautiful. Yeah. And the way you're, you're presenting yourself and I reject you. That's right. That's what, yeah, that's exactly it. And that is really the, the idea of presenting oneself in our for lack of a better word, naked nakedness mm-hmm. and yeah. being rejected. Oh yeah, that's so true. Yeah. That's like the maybe the deepest fear of of uh, that we have as human beings. Yeah, uh, to be to be seen and to be rejected. Um, yeah, that's so true. That's so yeah. True. So I think this is a, again just a, this is an issue we have to be very careful if this issue if this question can even come up at all between men and women, mm-hmm. um, like of treating that person as a human being, um, not rejecting them. Right. And that's why I think that often this becomes such a polarized conversation where you have, you know, the prudishness and the indecency kind of going to really far extremes, because if, you know, I'm rejected by the way I present myself, like sometimes there could, you know, if somebody responds to the way that someone else presents themselves, right. Um, in a prudish way, right? Or a way that Diva's interpreted as prudish. It's easy to see modesty as the problem, hmm. right? Or modesty as the enemy and just respond in a less decent way. Right. Um, and the reality, again, the virtuous extreme, I think is helpful because, or the virtuous mean, because modesty is not the problem. Prudishness is a problem and indecency is a problem. Modesty is the virtue. Amen. Modesty is what we're trying to, to solve. And that doesn't always mean, again, it doesn't always mean more clothing. Right. Um, and, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Such a good conversation. Yeah. Any parting thoughts? Gosh. Uh, I'll try and keep it short. <laughs> no. Uh, I think it's going to be a long one. This has been a, no, I, it'll be quick. This has been a really good conversation and an important one, I think, and of the Holy Spirit, yeah. God willing. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. But uh, I would say, I don't think we touched on this, but I would say it is a good thing to be seen as sexually attractive. Mm -hmm. That's a good Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And it's actually okay and good to accentuate what John Paul II would call your sexual values. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you broach the line of being seen as a sexual object now, that is past the point of modesty. Uh, That's, that's over. That, that is immodest. Um, So that's what I would say. And, uh, and then the second thing I would say to end is for those who are dealing with this kind of issue and struggling with this in their heart, whether or not I'm being modest, I would say it's not that you're not beautiful. 
it's because you are beautiful yes, yes. that modesty is important. Yes. Because you are beautiful, we want to see you as such. So therefore, be modest. Uh, yeah. That was what I would say. Yeah. yeah. Two really, really incredible points. And I think I maybe just want to touch on the, the reference to love and responsibility real quick. And we can wrap this baby up. But and lay it in a manger. That's right. See what I did there? <laughs> I see that. Um, but uh, it's Lent, not Advent. I'm going to use that. That's really good. I got that. <laughs> uh, trademark. <laughs> that right. That's right. But yeah, no, love and responsibility. We've been working through this in our men's group uh, the past couple of weeks, and it's just been just delightful to do. And uh, you use this term sexual values, right? It's something that John Paul recognizes, uh, the term he uses, and something that he recognizes as good. And as the beginning of romantic love, the beginning of marital love, right? The beginning of this great sacrament that he's writing about. And um, again, it's good. Sexual values are good. And they're meant to lead us deeper into love, into loving the whole person. Um, The problem is, is that sometimes they become an occasion for use, right? And that's his whole framework is, is are we using someone as a means to an end or are we loving them? Um, and seeing the image of God in them and loving them selflessly, mm-hmm. forsaking our good for their good. And that's at the heart of the matter, I think, when it comes to modesty and chastity in general. Mm-hmm. All right, real talk. That was great. Um, would love feedback. Yeah, if you guys have any thoughts, dear listeners in listener land, women especially, men, you know, whoever, whoever you are, robots too. <laughs> um, we would love to hear feedback. Make this a conversation because um, it's a good one to have, I think. Amen. And you can find us online, Facebook, Instagram, email, colloquiumshow at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. Praise be Jesus Christ. Now and forever. Amen.